worked. Ah, I'm using uh, headphones because it's easier for me to hear. Yeah, no, that's cool. I and have, it looks. I have, it I have looks to be more... up on my phone here. I'm just reading over some of the trivia. Did you read the one where it took 47 takes for Marilyn Monroe to get that one line right? Yeah, and then it took like another 30 takes. No. Yeah, and then 40 takes to get the line, where's the bourbon, when she pulls the drawer out and is rummaging around for the bourbon. It's amazing. I'm here, sugar. 47 <laughs> times. Or it's me, sugar. It's I'm me, not sure. sugar. <laughs> oh, Jimmy's here, too. Awesome. Oh, great. Oh, I like his uh, waiting his waiting room picture there. <laughs> well, thank you. Hey, <laughs> hey, Jimmy, uh, how are you doing? Good. Uh, I get my video up. There we go. Oh, let me get my. Uh, I guess I'll get my headset on. We'll, we'll look more like we're broadcasting, huh? I don't have a big headset in here, so that's going to have to do. <laughs> Oh. Uh, another another trivia thing here I read was that upon its release, Kansas banned the film from being shown in the state, explaining that cross-dressing was too disturbing for Kansans. So. <laughs> Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning. Uh, I enjoyed the review you all did. Uh, thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. I'm particularly glad that I'm able to use Zoom and have it work. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was funny at the time. <laughs> uh, Abbott and Costello. You should send us some links to some of your other podcasts that you were on. I'd like to listen to some of those. Yeah, that's that's good. I should make a list of what I've been on. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna end up forgetting. I went on one, and they said, that, "Well, I sent a review link to one, and they never said they reviewed it or anything." And then I went on another one. And they said, oh, "I was searching around, and I found this review." of the movie so there's a review i can't even find that some other podcast did find of a podcast Weird. <laughs> a review of your movie but you don't but you i sent a link to them because when i was doing the podcast i was like let me see if i sent them an email and i did send them an email but i forgot which podcast it was they never sent that podcast never told me they did a review so i would have to go ask the podcast that did find that review and ask them again well Sorry. we're glad you're on with us that's for sure yeah this is fun this is gonna be fun and yeah bob and i practiced <clears throat> zoom yesterday so we worked out all the kinks yeah we were thinking of actually using this to record our regular show and then we could have um video more video. posted on youtube yeah although some people have told me my face is better for radio so <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave it at that oh i think it depends on the time of day i feel like it's super early right now so i'm barely awake Shall we I've begin? got a giant thing of coffee. All right, I'm ready. Here, I'm going to do the little intro, and then I'll introduce you, Jimmy. And Well, that was the opening music to Some Like It Hot, released in 19... Oh, geez. 1959. 1959. And yeah, directed by... Gosh, directed and written by Billy Wilder. And starring Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon, George Raft... Uh, Pat O'Brien, Joe E. Brown, he was great. That guy had a really long career in, in show business. Uh, what character did he play? He was Osgood Fielding III. Hmm. He was the uh, Shell Oil millionaire. Looks a little like my grandfather. 
Does he? Mm-hmm. Wow. He kind of reminded me of the cowardly lion from Wizard of Oz. He kind of had that body language and look to him. As he uh, reminded me of Tigger from Tigger. Oh, yeah. That too. He does, yeah. He's got kind of that facial look about him. George E. Stone as Toothpick Charlie. And then we can't forget Spatz as Henchman, Mike Mazurki, and Harry Wilson. Man, those guys really look like the prototypical... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mobsters. <laughs> Mobsters. Billy Wilder is good at those character... Uh, he likes character faces and stuff like that. He does that a lot. Yeah, the, I, I feel like those guys had been written, uh, drawn up as cartoons, and they, they show up as like cartoon mobsters and different things. They're like, they just look so familiar that way to me. Mike Mazurki uh, made a, a career out of those, those characters. He did 142 films and TV shows, and they were most of the time that character... He's he's the lead though, or near the near the nearly the lead in Murder My Sweet from 1946 or 44 with Dick yeah. Powell. Well, you had some more. Like, we should probably do our introductions. But didn't you say one of them also had a law degree and was practicing law? Yeah, that was Mike Mazurki. He was, was also Mike a professional Mazurki. wrestler. <laughs> he was quite oh, a wow. talented guy. <laughs> And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from rainy North Bend today. And uh, Bob Johnson here in Los Angeles welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews and our, our visit about Some Like It Hot. And especially thank you to Jimmy for joining us today. Are you in Louisville today, Jimmy? Uh-huh. Happy holidays to you. Oh, thank you. I got the Christmas tree right there. So that's a good thing about a laptop. All right. Nice. It looks good. Nice. Yeah, thanks for being here, Jimmy. This is this was something that we talked about after we did the review of Body Swap, and you had mentioned that this is one of your favorite movies. And we thought, well, wouldn't that be cool if you could join us for a review? Yeah, and um, Tim Morton, who directed Body Swap, I would have liked him to come on, but he's – He's hard enough to get to come on a podcast, let alone watch a movie. I mean, he's got nothing better to do, but it's just like he's <laughs> he's doing his own thing. He's he is fixing up his house. He got into a new house, so. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, that can be all consuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We well, did just that. not only the things that the fixing things. There's just all sorts of things and moving into a new house. It's one of my favorites. Uh, the apartment's my favorite Billy Wilder movie ever. One of my favorite movies ever. And I like this one. I don't uh, think I've seen The you, Apartment. Let's have to put that on the list. I, there's a surprising amount of Billy Wilder movies I have not seen that I want to check up on. And I thought I saw um, The Seven Year Itch because I was looking at Marilyn Monroe. And I, I think the only other Marilyn Monroe movie I saw was Bus Stop. For some reason, I saw Bus Stop. Oh, it was on TCM. Yeah, Bus Stop. I remember that with Don Murray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of our bigger movies, I think I want to check out later down the line. Have you seen uh, Double, Inde- <clears throat> Double Indemnity, Jimmy? That one I saw way long ago, ago. I don't even think I've seen Sunset Boulevard all the way through. If I have, I forgot about it. Um, so those I'll have to check out again. You know, you, some you just forget. I haven't seen this one in five, six years. I go through that because I've been seeing these movies. In fact, I saw this one when it came out in the theater. 
I have so many movies in my head. I think I'd drive my wife crazy with, remember this show? Remember that film? Yeah. And then you'll, and then you'll watch a movie like Red Shoes and she'll be like, I don't know if I want to watch any more movies with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... yeah. So uh, how long ago did you see this, uh, Jimmy? Would you, would have... I think like five years ago. I th saw it for the first time. And this is my second time watching it. And uh, like some comedies, I mean, it's just not as good the second time around. But a lot of the jokes I forgot and the character things. But I remember, you know, a lot of the scenes already. And it was, uh, it was uh, it's got a lot of good character acting. I'm reading all the trivia like you are about how he didn't like Marilyn Monroe. And I can understand that as like, as a writer, you like, um, but she did a great job with the lines. So I don't know. All right. But I can understand as a writer, you get these lines to actors and they, it's like a fam, family gasket or something. It's like they'll read it exactly how you want it. And then I don't think they understand the word they just said. <laughs> <laughs> she, she had several uh, scenes where they had a lot of retakes because she was mixing up the lines. At least that was one of the trivia things I ever read. The strange thing is like those are the ones they said that I don't said she messed up a bunch of lines, but like she'd have long times of dialogue, but somehow get stuck on some line or something and have to put it in a drawer or something when you're opening it up. I've had to do that. I've had to put, um, I think there was only one actor and then we didn't even use them, but we put the lines in a, uh, a binder that the character had anyway. Um, very easy to do. They had a binder. And so, um, she was uh we had an actors for like a day for a small part and even though it's a small part it's like it was nerve-wracking i guess for her and so it's like uh we messed up that footage of the day and so we replaced her we would have kept the footage because eventually we got good performance i think out of it but um she she had trouble with the lines and was uh very like upset with herself about it is, is not a good day. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I didn't oh, no. notice that at all when I was watching the movie. Like, she, she seemed fine in the final film, but it's yeah, funny, yeah. like you said, that she messed up on little, like, three-line, or three-word lines, like, where's the bourbon, or it's sugar, it, it's sugar me. <laughs> it's always the directors that ask for a million takes, like Wilder, Fincher. My direct, director for Body Swap would do a reasonable, like, nine to ten takes of each shot but that's like 30 takes of a scene um uh yeah. but he <laughs> some of them just like a lot of takes so uh yeah i don't even i think i think uh some of the directors are like a bit demanding of the actors sometimes but they uh they want the best so they're like i want every hundred takes to be good so i got <laughs> I, I need it for editing i mean there will be times where you wish you had more in editing even after all those takes. Well, because you'll be like, I wish I had it on this angle because I need to cut between. I got the best performance on the other angle and all this other stuff. So that's how it I was. Read, I was reading where uh, Orson Welles was the champion of of takes and retakes. He had one film that never got made. Went down to Brazil. He had eight hundred thousand feet of film. Yeah, <laughs> I think the best way is maybe do rehearsals like a play. And then uh, that's my next, I think, idea is do that and then do like three takes each shot. Because once you have it down, like do rehearsals on Zoom for a bunch. 
I mean, Zoom's a great yeah. tool for that. So on the flip side of that, I get the feeling sometimes that Clint Eastwood does one take from what I've read, and I have a couple of friends that yeah, that's sort maybe. of were around that, and he moves along. That might be true. He does also use baby dolls and anything. It's like it's actual babies and like stuff. <laughs> so, he, but he he does a good job. So I don't know. Yeah, he seems he, he seems, seems like the type successful. that uh, is cool with whatever. So I like that type of director, though. Do you ever have any interest in directing, Jimmy? So, or are you more on? The I think the writing? next one I am directing, uh, but Tim will be involved. Uh, it's just I want to direct it because I think it's just take it off someone else's plate. Yeah. Should we jump I, into the plot here and kind of go through the movie a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Okay. All right. So the movie opens up and it's in Chicago at night and it's raining out or snowing. I can't remember. It's really dark though. And there's a car driving down the road and it looks like it's a hearse, but we find out that it's actually these mobsters who are transporting, uh, liquor to a nightclub and there's a big gunfight then we cut to another scene where um, there's a police detective who's gonna be uh, doing a raid on that nightclub and I think that was Pat O'Brien Pat O'Brien right was the, yeah and and his informant was the toothpick Charlie and that kind of comes into play in a little bit when toothpick Charlie gets rubbed out but then when we are inside the nightclub, we, we uh, get to meet Tony Curtis's character, Joe, and Jack Lemmon's character, Jerry, and they're in the band. And they notice that the guy in the front row, Pat O'Brien's character, Detective Mulligan, is putting on a badge, and they immediately know there's going to be a raid, so they start to pack up. And yeah, everything up to this point just feels like it's going to be a mobster movie. It, 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 it plays off. There's not a lot of comedy up to this point, except a few like physical comedy kind of slapstick things with the bourbon getting shot and running out all over the car and, and kind of a few things like that. Well, I, <clears throat> I found I found some uh, comedic touches in the way Wilder sets it up. Like the speakeasy is, is inside a mortuary, so we get the uh, the lobby of the mortuary, and that interaction is funny. That's true. And uh, Pat O'Brien. Uh, gives away that he's with the police when he takes his badge off to uh, prepare a cigar. These little touches. That, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, there are little touches like that. I've seen this movie enough times. I'm looking at a lot of detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I just watched it again yesterday, but before that, I think it had been 20 years since I'd seen it. And then they, they barge in and, and uh, the police are trying to arrest everybody. And they are talking to, let's see, Spats. Columbo is the main gangster played by George Raft. And there is, I guess there's another joke there where they're not serving liquor, they're serving coffee. Everybody's drinking their liquor out right. of coffee cups. <laughs> Scotch coffee. Scotch coffee. Irish whiskey coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the detective arrests them and George Raft is like, yeah, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to last. We'll be back out on the street. The, when, when Spatz introduces his four henchmen as Harvard men, all Harvard oh, yeah. men. I thought that was funny. I'm a federal agent. You're all under arrest. I want another cup of coffee. All right, Spets. Services are over. Let's go. 
go where? A little country club. We run for retired bootleggers. I'm putting your name up for membership. I don't join nothing. Oh, you like it there. I'll get the prison tailor to fit you with a pair of special spats. Striped. Big joke. What's the rap this time? Embalming people with coffee. 86 proof. Me? I'm just a customer here. Oh, come on, Spats. We know you own the joint. Mozzarella's just fronting for you. Mozzarella? Never heard of him. We got different information. From who? Toothpick Charlie, maybe? Toothpick Charlie? Never heard of him. Buttermilk. Too smart to drink your own stuff, huh? Come on, on your feet. You're just wasting the taxpayers' money. Call your lawyer if you want it. These are my lawyers. All Harvard men. And Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis escape. And then I think we cut to a scene where they're trying to look for more work. And they have like three different agencies that they're going to, and, and nobody <laughs> has any work for them. Yeah. And then the guy that... The guy that's the main contact at one of the uh, one of the places uh, is it has a great small role. He's the manager of the place, and he needs two women for the band. I thought he was really funny. Looks like we want to talk to you. What is it? Yeah, it's about the Florida job. The Florida job? Mm -hmm. Nellie told us all about it. Yeah, we're not too late, are we? What are you, a couple of comedians? Get out of here. Long distance, get me the William Morris Agency in New York. Well, you need a bass and a sax, don't you? The instruments are right, but you're not. I want to speak to Mr. Morris. Wait a minute, what's wrong with us? You're in the wrong shape. Goodbye. The wrong shape? What are you looking for? Hunchbacks or something? It's not the backs that worry me. Well, what kind of a band is it anyway? You gotta be under 25. We could pass for that. You gotta be blonde. We could dye our hair. And you gotta be girls. I don't know who that was either. With Billy Wilder films, he's really he really does a nice job with the small details that I that I like to find and pick up and all. The Joe and Jerry characters, uh are kind of misled by, I think, the receptionist or somebody saying that, yeah, the, the, he's got a job for you, sure. But it turns out that it's only for women. And then how does it get set up where they're trying to, they're trying to rent a car to go out to Sheboygan, I think it was? <laughs> they're borrowing the girl's car to go out to Sheboygan. Yeah, for, a, for six, bucks, six bucks each for a night of music. So he sweet talks that lady into giving them her car. How'd it go, girl? Oh, you, I ought to wring your neck. Please, Jerry, that's no way to talk. Nellie, baby, what are you doing tonight? Tonight? Why? Because I've got some plans. You're not doing anything. Really? I just thought I'd go home and have some cold pizza. Then you'll be in all evening? Yes, Joe. Good, then you won't be needing your car. My car? Why you? Which yeah, that just happens to be in the garage where they're doing the Valentine's Day murder. Right, oh, right. Similar to it. And, and I like how it's just it just happens to be the garage where the murder's happening, and then and then they just happen to be having their uh your, their annual get together down at the hotel in Florida. And they, you mm -hmm. know, their paths just keep like <laughs> crossing. Yeah. I do like I do like that touch. Joe and Jerry see the murder of uh, Toothpick Charlie and his gang. They are able to escape through just kind of a series of uh, mishaps on the mobsters' parts, where they're able to actually get out of the garage without being killed. And then I think it was 
Joe's character played by Tony Curtis has the great idea of, well, we'll we're just going to pretend to be women to go do this other job down in Florida and then we're going to just get to get out of here. And he immediately falls into that character of Josephine on the phone. Quick, give me a nickel. What? Give me a nickel. All right. You can call the police. Huh? Police? We'd never live to testify. Not against Scott Scalumbo. Oh, Wabash 1098. Joe, we've got to get out of town. Maybe we should grow beards or something. We are getting out of town, but we're going to shave. Shave? Shave. At a time like this, those guys got machine guns ready to blast our heads off. You want to shave? Shave our legs, stupid. Shave our legs? What? Hello, Mr. Polyakov. I understand you're looking for a couple of girl musicians. Mm-hmm. 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 He looked, he looked very good as a woman, Tony Curtis. They both did, actually, I thought. <laughs> Tell you. How tall was he, though? He was a very tall and muscular woman. <laughs> looked yeah. like he was about 6'2". Uh, every time I see George Raft in this film, I laugh just because of his background. He allegedly mm -hmm. was actually connected to the mob in real life. Even the scenes getting on the train, to, to watch Jack Lemmon walk down the platform to the train is, is worth catching because he walks like he's never, you know, he's never walked right before with those high heels on. I can understand that, I suppose. But... I thought they did a pretty good job walking in high heels, not having, you know, walk, <laughs> yeah. walked in high heels before. Yeah, this is where it kind of reminds me a little bit of your movie, Jimmy, where they've now they're swip, they're, they haven't swapped bodies necessarily, but they've swapped pers personalities yeah, yeah, in some yeah. ways. Yeah, I, I liked uh, that part of filmmaking was playing two different characters. I'm sure they had a lot of fun doing that. He gets to, Tony Curtis gets to play three, so that's, that's similar. I kind of played three in, uh, in Ella and Body Swap. When you were playing those parts, is it hard to transfer or, or switch from one to the other? Um, it's just such a different character. I guess, uh, not you, really you because of the, there's only like, the ones on the couch were all shot in one day. I would consider that a third character where I'm kind of a different person after the experience. He's still the same old self, I guess, in some ways, but he, he changes uh, like you would in a <clears throat> movie. So that's all shot in a day. And then like, there's only 10% of the time I'm playing a kind a kind of character like myself and that I'm like playing video games and watching TV. <laughs> That's it. So wasn't yeah, I mostly just play the uh the uh weird girl character. <laughs> and you did really well at that. I, oh thank I you. Enjoyed that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh it was. I we watched the movie a couple podcasts ago where yeah, I, I, I love the review, and I actually, like, I think I said on that one, but comparing it, bringing it to Some Like It Hot, is that uh, these type of movies are more, I consider these type of movies to be where you watch them with the audience. I was lucky to see Body Swap with an audience, where the character acting and the comedy, more of a, um, for exhibition, more for uh, audience than, say, a, a movie with a lot of explosions, and that's yeah. all it has is a bunch of, like, stereo sound and uh people fighting <laughs> it, it, I, that's not very a communal experience i think something like this is better for that well and, and the director was saying that Absolutely. they previewed it at one theater and people were walking out <clears throat> and he says that he didn't really let that get to him maybe they just previewed it at the wrong in the wrong neighborhood because then no, they sure. went i mean you'll apply to film festivals with the movie i would get it i would send in and they'd be like 
no, they don't even like it. And then you get into a film festival and best feature at that film festival. It's really just about taste. They're, they're run by the same people that have taste and everything. And the, there aren't that many comedies that get high up in their ratings. This was, this happens to be no. one of them. And I think it's cause Billy Wilder combines a lot of, um, it has a high IMDb rating. It's cause the Billy Wilder's good at combining genres. It's got a lot of action and, uh, romance and other things in it to sort of um if you yeah. were if you if you just had straight comedy you couldn't even watch it again because it'd just be like i know all the jokes so yeah that's a good so, point yeah that's kind of the, what i was trying to say at the beginning is is that it starts off as like a, a real like dark gangster movie but then it really quickly switches into a comedy and then it's and then on the train when we finally get on the train it turns into almost like a romance because uh, Jack Lemmon's character just can't get his mind off of Marilyn Monroe's sugar cane mm. uh, character. And, and uh, <laughs> it was yeah. uncomfortable in that train car when they, you know, they're in the, the little bed together. Cause I thought, Oh, he's yeah. going to be found out. Oh, well, we won't tell anybody. We have not even Josephine. Maybe I better stay here till she goes back to sleep. You stay here as long as you like. I'm not crowding you, am I? No, it's nice and cozy. <laughs> when I was a little girl on cold nights like this, I used to crawl into bed with my sister. We'd cuddle up under the covers and pretend we were lost in a dark cave and were trying to find our way out. That's <laughs> <laughs> Anything wrong? No, no, no. Not a thing. You poor thing, you're trembling all over. It's ridiculous. Your head's hot. Ridiculous. You've got cold feet. Isn't that ridiculous? Here, let me warm up a little. There. Mm. Isn't that better? Yes, I'm a girl. I'm a girl. I'm a girl. What'd you say? I'm, I'm a very sick girl. Oh, I better go before I catch something. I'm not that sick. I've got very low resistance. Oh, sugar. If you feel that you're coming down with something, my dear, the best thing in the world is a shot of whiskey. You got some? I don't know where to get it. <laughs> don't move. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, I thought maybe there'd be more of a love triangle. There kind of was, where maybe Jack Lemon wanted her, but he didn't really play that up too much. Uh, yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, because he, he <laughs> kind of falls in with uh, the the um, the Billy the millionaire Joe <laughs> Brown's character Osgood Fielding the Third. Yeah. And he's he's right there. I love how they're all coming up. Well, we should talk a little bit about what happens on the train because that whole scene where they're uh, practicing and, and then Marilyn Monroe has that flash that falls out of her little uh, garter belt was really funny. I thought that, well, she's going to get in trouble because she's not going to be able to keep herself from, you know, drinking again. But then it turns out that the entire band is like going to have a party <laughs> that night on the train. All, all in the same place with Jack Lemmon. <laughs> yeah. I've I just taken love train that. trips. I've, I've never had that happen on a train. That sounds like yeah. quite an evening. There are like eight women in this booth. Well, you've never taken a train trip with a train full of women musicians, though, so you don't know. No, I'm not. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, and and uh, Tony Curtis's character is sort of like trying to be the straight-laced one and trying to get them all to stop. And he's trying to almost be like the, the parent of the group. But then once uh, Marilyn Monroe's character gets him alone, he sort of like loosens up and 
it's kind of like, oh, well, what the heck? Let's just have a party. Put it here. Sugar, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, you better keep a lookout. If Beanstalk catches you again, what's the matter with you anyway? I'm not very bright, I guess. I wouldn't say that. Careless, maybe. No, just dumb. If I had any brains, it wouldn't be on this crummy train with this crummy girl's band. Well, why'd you take this job? I used to sing with male bands, but I can't afford it anymore. Have you ever been with a male band? Who? Me? That's what I'm running away from. I worked with six different ones the last two years. Oh, brother. Rob? I'll say. You can't trust those guys. I can't trust myself. I have this thing about saxophone players, especially tenor sax. Really? I don't know what it is, but they just curdle me. All they have to do is play eight bars of Come to Me, My Melancholy Baby, and my spine turns to custard. I get goose pimply all over, and I come to them. That's how? Every time. I play tennis, eh? But you're a girl, thank goodness. Oh, yeah. That's why I joined this band. Safety first. Anything to get away from those bums. Yeah. You don't know what they're like. You fall for them. You really love them. You think this is going to be the biggest thing since the Graf Zeppelin. The next thing you know, they're borrowing money from you. They're spending it on other dames and betting on horses. You don't say. Then one morning you wake up, the guy's gone, the saxophone's gone. All that's left behind is a pair of old socks and a tube of toothpaste, all squeezed out. So you pull yourself together. You go on to the next job, the next saxophone player. It's the same thing all over again. You see what I mean? Not very bright. Brains aren't everything. <laughs> I can tell you one thing. It's not going to happen to me again, ever. I'm tired of getting the fuzzy end of the lollipop. Ice? What's keeping the ice? The natives are getting restless. How about a couple of drinks for us? Hmm? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think this type of movie where you get a lot of dialogue and a lot of things to do is, as I'm sure they had a blast doing it, like the actors, all the scenes. So, yeah, I could. I, I was thinking that. There's so many different scenes too. I was trying to. I was thinking like, how are we going to review this because there's just so much happening in this movie. It must be it must be challenging, Jimmy, like to keep track of all that stuff when you're actually putting it together. You put, you put it on a board for sure. I mean, um, <laughs> especially when you uh, shoot like uh, scenes out of like I had a month between a, a big chunk of scenes. Um, uh, for those that haven't seen the movie, the, I, I I I live with my brother, and then we I switch places with the career woman, and so. A month later, I shoot all the ones that just have me or just have me and my brother because they're not as intensive. They don't have like four, five, ten characters in them. So when we went to go shoot those scenes, we added bunches more scenes to um, Pat, uh, the, you know, connect, connective tissue that we Ooh. were missing from the movie. Um, even though we wrote a bunch of the scenes, we also needed to add a few more. And so that's, yeah, that uh, you definitely get all... all all the things on the board and you uh, see what, see where it's going. This one probably is a little bit easier because it's like you go to place to place, but yeah, once they get to the hotel, it's uh, they're they're doing all types of things. Yeah. So they arrive at the hotel. They, they do, they do manage to avoid getting in trouble for their party because uh, I think Tony Curtis or Jack, which one pulls the emergency brake and causes everybody to fall out of the compartments. Was that Jack Lemmon's character? Uh, Jack Lemmon, because he doesn't want to get yeah. 
uh, tickled or something so yeah <laughs> that's right he's about to <laughs> and be they all out. fall and they all fall out and i guess those are stunt doubles or whatever it looked like a a pretty intense stunt <laughs> yeah dude, they were falling on top of each other yeah one thing i noticed is that all the band members look like twins all, all blonde the, all and the, all blonde about the same size and shape yeah, as they keep tumbling out. I did want to mention on on your movie, Jimmy, how much I enjoyed the continuity in the oh, film. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it uh, really was I, seamless. I always advise filmmakers to have the people wear as close to outfits as uh, just differentiate it a little bit because we actually put had to put a few scenes. Um, you'll, I don't think you'll notice it too much. Is that uh, a few scenes we put in different orders than we had before? in the screenplay and the, and the shooting order. Oh, okay. um, but you won't notice cause their outfits are kind of similar. Um, especially like sh- the actress, when she changes, she mostly just wears collared shirts and then the boss only changes a tie. So, mm-hmm. so stuff like that really helps with continuity. Um, yeah, but yeah, we did, uh, we didn't even have a continuity person. I think me and someone else would just keep track of it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you have you seen the original War of the Worlds, Jimmy? Um, from nineteen 19- with uh, Orson Welles, you know. Uh, oh, is it Orson Welles movie or is it was that just the radio thing? Well, it was uh, it, it was an Orson Welles radio play, right? And then they made a movie out of it. Um, is Orson Welles in that one too? No, he's not in that oh, one. Oh, okay. Um, um, but yeah. What year well, did that get released? At was sixty three. That's the one with Gene Barry as the uh, chief uh, hero. Nineteen fifty. Yeah or 54 something 53, like that yeah. but i just got done watching mank um so speak of orson wells that's uh have y'all seen that movie yet which movie is it's that? on it's on netflix it's a brand new movie from david fincher about uh mankowitz writing citizen king it's called mank oh no i haven't I seen the preview for that mm-hmm. oh i'm gonna put that on my list cool mm-hmm. well at the end of that movie there's a there's a really bad continuity like lapse where they are going to all regroup in the Rocky Mountains to kind of like figure out how to defeat the aliens that are invading. And then the next scene that you have with these characters is they're, they're boarding a bus and a, and a truck and driving off and getting like attacked by this mob. And you don't really understand like if they're the last hope for humanity, why aren't they surrounded by military and being escorted out of the city? And it was just, it kind of ruined the last part of the movie for me a little bit because it just needed that connecting tissue. And, and I think that, you know, like Bob was saying, you, you did really good with that in your movie. Everything just sort of like made sense for what happened before. Yeah, you got to get down to the action. I think this does a good job of like, you get another thing and another thing. Um, uh, it and really that's how, moves along. Yeah, and it, it's like, uh, you can always shoot so many locations so that, the key is kind of a music video um, recipe blown up to, uh, you know, 20 times the length of a music video. It's like music videos you shoot like in three different locations with like three different outfits on the singer and then you just cut them between. So it's not like, you, sh- you know, you put them all bump, bump, bump in a row. <laughs> oh, and you have them perform <laughs> yeah, the know, song like, three different times in three different locations and three outfits. Yeah, like, yeah, or something like that. And then, <laughs> And then they, you just cut it together to, between them to sort of create movement. And so, like, you know, you, you wouldn't have all the scenes in the uh, their little cabin or their little dormitory uh, in one go. You'd have it, 
you know, spread out over the movie, but you shoot them all in a day okay. uh, and stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, locations provide a good uh, sense of movement for the uh, story. Yeah, because to me, the movie really takes off when they get to the hotel in Florida and all those kind of older potentially rich guys are sitting on the and they and they and they set up the police right away and they never pay off like the police (laughs) never come into like you think that's (laughs) right in a movie you show a gun and then it gets fired in the third act it's like they you think those police are going to do something and and they're just chasing them all over the hotel and do not seem to care these mobsters are are shooting up the they actually come in and they're like do you shoot some people? Well, if I didn't see it, I guess it didn't happen. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing to see Good here. Point. <laughs> and the and the loudest machine gun ever made when he comes out of yeah, that yeah, cake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, when he comes cool. out of the cake, yeah. <laughs> what are they doing in that other room? I guess shooting some fireworks. I don't know. <laughs> well, and these, these monsters and are kind of, they're pretty creative. I mean, like you said, they have their speakeasy in the back of a mortuary, and then they're having their... They have a, a convention at a hotel in Florida. Yeah, that alone is funny. And they, they even have like the little name tags. Like when you go to a convention, you, you go to the front table to check in. They have to check in at the front table. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if this inspired The Godfather a little bit, like some ways. That cake scene seemed very pre, it was pre-Godfather, but it felt like it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there have been gangster movies prior to this one, too. So I'm sure those were the ones that influenced it the most. It's kind of just, yeah, they're probably both influenced by those old gangster movies from way back when. I think this is an interesting uh, idea, Jimmy. Do you have uh, directors that that you feel have influenced you? Oh, yeah, John Hughes. I love uh, dialogue-driven writer, directors, Sorkin, uh, Fincher, uh, Kaufman. Uh, I like those. And so that's what I gravitate towards. John Huston was the one that really liked dialogue from mm-hmm. from the time when I was growing up and watching films. Yeah. I can't uh, list some of his films. I've probably seen a few. Oh, Treasure of Sierra Madre, uh, uh, African Queen with Humphrey Bogart, a lot of oh. uh, the, the Maltese Falcon. That one I have seen. Uh, the other two, if I have seen them, I haven't seen them in a while. I think I've seen the African Queen, but yeah. That's the thing about classic movies and any movies is like I maybe watch it. The modern movies, when DVDs are going around, I watch it once in a theater or twice and then watch the DVD. I think I've seen Return of the King a bunch because they would have a a different version when it came to DVD that was like four hours long. So you get a few new things. But like typically I don't go back to movies. So I'll forget a lot of what's going on like I did with this one. Yeah. This one, one stuck things. with me, though, a little bit in that I did remember a lot of the scenes. But, yeah, I, like the shell oil thing I thought was real funny at the time, and I forgot it. Yeah. <laughs> and when it pulls up the <laughs> shell. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's amazing we never ran into each other before. I'm sure I would have remembered anybody as attractive as you are. You're very kind. Mm. I'll bet you're also gentle and helpless. I beg your pardon? You see, I have this theory about men who wear glasses. What theory? I'll tell you when I get to know you better. Hmm. What are you doing tonight? Tonight? I thought maybe you could come to the hotel and hear us play. Uh, I would like to, but that would be rather difficult. Why? Uh, I only come ashore twice a day when the tide goes out. Oh. It's on account of these shells. That's my hobby. 
You collect shells? Yes, so did my father and my grandfather. You might say we had a passion for shells. That's why we named the oil company after it. Shell oil? Please, no names. Just call me Junior. Sugar! Sugar! Come on, dear, it's time to change for dinner. Well, alone, Daphne, dear. I'll catch up with you later. Oh, okay. What is it, young lady? What are you, you staring at? This happens to me all the time in public. I recognize him, too. His picture was in Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair? Would you mind moving along, please? Yes, you're in his way. He's waiting for a signal from his yacht. His yacht? It sleeps 12. This is my friend Daphne. She's a Vassa girl. I'm a what? Or was it Bryn Moore? I heard a very sad story about a girl who went to Bryn Moore. She squealed on her roommate, and they found her strangled with her own bezier. Yes, we have to be very careful whom we pick for a roommate. Hmm? Well, I think I'd better be going. It was delightful meeting you both. You, you will come in here as play. If it's at all possible. Oh, do come. Don't disappoint us. It'll be such fun. And bring you yacht. Come on, Jesse. Yeah. Well, well, you uh, mentioned that your favorite is The Apartment, the Billy Wilder film from the year after this one. Yes. What, what makes that one stand out in your mind, say, compared to this one? I like the, the sets of, like, all those rows of people. Uh, uh, it's, it, even though it's not really a set-driven movie, I like that scene, but I like the character interactions. Is, is After that, it's mostly just in an apartment. And I like uh, character interactions and romance in movies and uh, character uh, chemistry. It's very good. Uh, it really movie. is. Mm -hmm. That could almost be a stage play. Yeah, way, I think I think this film. one could if you worked it around. I think it has been done one as one uh, said oh. in the trivia. So. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. Wow. Okay. One other thing I mentioned or noticed is that the music in this uh, helps drive along the uh, the activity and the action. When they're running around, that music is perfect, a perfect fit. I don't oh, know do you know who did the music? I'm look it up here. Adolf Deutsch. Okay. I'm, I'm oh, he did the apartment too. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Oklahoma. Interesting. Oh, that's a good resume. Yeah. The well, funniest scenes for me are when they're uh, trying to keep their secret identity from both the band members and um, like other people like uh, Osgood the third and I forgot the scene where they go to the beach by the sea by the sea by the beautiful sea you and me you and me oh happy we'll be I love to be beside your side beside the sea beside the sea side
see me before I went in a diet. Oh. I mean your shoulders and your arms. Oh, well, that's from carrying that bull fiddle around all day. Well, there's one thing I envy you for. What's that? You're so flat-chested. Clothes hang better on you than they do on me. Watch out, Daphne. Sugar, come on, let's play ball. Okay. How the heck is he going to pretend to be a woman when they're going swimming? But the style of bathing suits back at that was so different that he's able to pull it off because it's almost like a full body yeah. bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. Just have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do like the way uh, Wilder used the, uh, the hotel in uh, San Diego, the Coronado, Del Coronado. As a replacement oh, was that that was where that was at? Okay, yeah, it looked familiar. Long before it got built up around a lot and, of other buildings. And also in the trivia, the uh, yacht was used in a bunch of movies, and it sunk in two thousand nine. Oh no! But oh wow! Uh, yeah, poor oh. yacht. Jeez, <laughs> that was a nice yacht. I, I couldn't figure out why Tony Curtis's character couldn't figure out how to drive it forwards, though. It seemed to, <laughs> had to drive it backwards to the yeah. Yard. There was a lot of things that didn't make sense about that whole because he's like couldn't get it started. Then he did, so I was like, okay. Uh, and I'll, there's nobody uh, else on the yacht because usually those big yachts have like crew. And well, stuff. they did know. establish that it did the crew. He took the crew off the guy. Oh, okay, I missed that. So yeah, he said on the phone, "I I, I left the crew. I uh, gave the crew the night off or something." So. Okay, well, that makes more sense. Yeah, there's a bunch of scenes where they're just kind of having fun, falling in love, you know, <laughs> like Tony Curtis is falling in love with Marilyn Monroe's character and, and uh, Osgood III is falling in love with uh, Jack Lemmon's character. And I kind of, yeah, there's a scene where they are out dancing all night, uh, Osgood III and Jack Lemmon's character. And I think he's falling in love with him too a little bit in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I just think of Jack Lemmon as being Daphne. Hi, Jerry. Everything under control? Have I got things to tell you? What happened? I'm engaged. Congratulations. Who's the lucky girl? I am. What? Osgood proposed to me. We're planning a June wedding. What are you talking about? You can't marry Osgood. You think he's too old for me? Jerry, you can't be serious. Why not? He keeps marrying girls all the time. I but you're not a girl, you're a guy. And why would a guy want to marry a guy? Security. Jerry, you better lie down. You're not well. Will you stop treating me like a child? I'm not stupid. I know there's a problem. I'll say there is. His mother. We need her approval. But I'm not worried because I don't smoke. Jerry, there's another problem. Like what? Like what are you going to do on your honeymoon? We've been discussing that. He wants to go to the Riviera, but I kind of lean towards Niagara Falls. Jerry, you're out of your mind. How are you going to get away with this? I don't expect it to last, Joe. 
I'll tell them the truth when the time comes. Like when? Like right after the ceremony. Oh. Then we get a quick annulment. He makes a nice settlement on me, and I keep getting those alimony checks every month. Jerry, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. There are laws, conventions. It's just not being done. Shh, Joe. This may be my last chance to marry a millionaire. Jerry. Huh? Jerry, will you take my advice? Forget about the whole thing, will you? Just keep telling yourself you're a boy. You're a boy. I'm a boy. That's the boy. Oh, I'm a boy. I'm a, I'm a boy. I'm a, I wish I were dead. I'm a boy. I'm a boy. Oh, boy, am I a boy. Now, what am I going to do about my engagement present? But, you know, watching that scene today, I think, I wonder if it has a different feel than it would have, like, in, when it was first released. Because, to me, I felt like maybe he's coming to a realization. I have opinions on that, is that... Uh... There's always a middle ground and like UK, they're very accepting of homosexuality, but their comedy is also very much like, oh, misunderstandings about homosexuality. So it's like back in the Wild West, they probably never thought of that. And like three stooges sleeping in the same bed or like the Wild West, you have guys dancing with each other. It's yeah. so non-sexual that it never comes across. So when you think about it, but I just put myself in the mindset of that time and that's how they... Um, it's just non-sexual, so though, in, in a way. So, I, think, I think that's think. The, what you I just think. said is the same way I have to think about it because what was it like in 1959? You know, what, you mm -hmm. know it's it's hard to go back and <clears throat> make that adjustment, but I, I agree with you. It's like, and this is like 1959 and then 1920s. Yeah, and, and yeah. people even forget that uh, in the trivia. They said something yeah. like in 1959 or whatever, you wouldn't do this or something. Are, and I'm like, it's 1920s. <laughs> so, right, right, it's 1929. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, good point. And, well, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of inceptions because you're watching it now. Billy Wilder's the type of director who does black and white. He does a lot of throwbacks to classic times, and it takes place back then, but it was shot in 59. I mean, Witness for the Prosecution, when I reviewed that, I was saying how it feels – older than movies that are actually older than it like from here yes. to eternity yeah yes yeah, yeah. That's it feels point. like hitchcock so yeah there'd be i mean especially like a, a robin hood or a um a wizard of oz gone with the wind those big cinemascope movies that are now like the type of big theatrical movies we expect those are prior to this one where it's more of a intimate character driven you know same same locations if if it can be, uh, you know, scenes in same locations for a while. I almost, yeah. it's once in a while I'll think that Billy Wilder thought, you know, I can really do a movie that will be better than an Alfred Hitchcock film. And so he did Witness for the Prosecution. Yeah, uh, I, heard, uh, I heard Hitchcock got comments that that was his movie and then yeah. uh, Wilder got comments that uh, some other movie of Hitchcock's was his or something. So, yeah. Or I think it was like North by Northwest or something. Oh, I can I see that. I think yeah. the only type of film that Wilder did not do was a Western. He did all the others. Ace in the Hole is kind of a lot different oh, than what he's usually. Right. That's and right. It's not a Western, <laughs> but it's got that uh, desert feel. It does. Yeah. That's a good one, Matt. We haven't watched that with Kirk Douglas. Isn't that the one we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think we should do a Billy Wilder uh, <laughs> marathon. There's like a bunch. Yeah, of you just that... switch it over to that. I mean, he has got a lot of classics. So yeah, yeah. your podcast can just be Wally 
Billy Wilder. <laughs> well, okay, so it does all this kind of sets up some great stuff at the end where the mobsters show up and and uh, they're they're chasing them around the hotel and they make a very close escape at the end to the to the billionaires. Well, I guess at the time millionaires yacht, and then we get that classic line at the end. They have a back and forth in the boat, and he yeah. finally Lemon finally says. Sugar, what do you think you're doing? I told you, I'm not very bright. Let's go! You don't want me, Sugar. I'm a liar and a phony, a saxophone player, one of those no-goodniks you keep running away from. I know, every time. Sugar, do yourself a favor. Go back to where the millionaires are. The sweet end of the lollipop, not the coleslaw in the face, the old socks and the squeezed-out tube of toothpaste. That's right, pour it on. Talk me out of it. <laughs> I called Mama. She was so happy she cried. She wants you to have her wedding gown. It's white lace. Yeah, that's good. I can't get married in your mother's dress. <laughs> she and I, we are not built the same way. We can have it altered. Yeah, I know you don't. That's good. I'm going to level with you. We can't get married at all. Why not? Well, in the first place, I'm not a natural blonde. Doesn't matter. I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. Well, I have a terrible past. For three years now, I've been living with a saxophone player. I forgive you. I can never have children. We can adopt some. But you don't understand, Osgood. Oh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. That's a great way to end that film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's on Billy Wilder's headstone as, uh, I'm a writer, but no one's per- perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You can actually look at uh, some headstones. I was looking at when they said that in the trivia, I looked at some other headstones of people that were uh, famous and had the, uh, some interesting headstones. Oh, do you have some examples? I think Jesse James on his headstone is like shot by a coward that a name I will not mention here or something. <laughs> uh, and a, a few others. There was uh, Shakespeare about moving his, his bones. So it's been there for a while. Don't, oh. don't curse it who moves uh, my bones. <laughs> this is a fun movie. I, fun I'm movie. so glad you're able to join us, Jimmy, because your insights and experience really help. Oh, thank Let's you. understand the whole business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was fun, Jimmy. Should we give it a rating? We always rate our films. Yeah. We didn't rate yours because that, didn't, that so. doesn't feel fair. We only want to rate like the old classic movies. But we, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, do, I'll do nine. Uh, I mean, if it's going to tie with other things, I guess a 10 out of 10. But I'll, I'll do nine and just to keep it different. Yeah. I was going to go with a nine as well. Yeah, I think it's really fun. Uh, but not quite at where some of the movies that we've rated 10 would be. That's probably a better rating because Double Indemnity is is a 10 in my mind, and this one's... I would put it above up. that one. I, I didn't think would you Double really? Indemnity. Okay. Yeah, I think. But, um, yeah, I like it. Uh, from what I remember of Sunset Boulevard, I think I liked it better. Oh, that's a wonderful film, yeah. That's his. Um, yeah. Uh, I got to go back and watch all these. Only one I kind of remember <laughs> is The Apartment because I've seen it twice, but that's about it. <laughs> I was like, which Marilyn Monroe movie, that bus stop one, I, I had to look it up because I was in like, 
what one what was that? I didn't even know. 1956, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was based on a Broadway play. And apparently, like, because you see her saliva, that's really provocative back then to see her saliva. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> or when she's standing over the subway grate in Seven Year Itch. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this movie, the train, the, the steam from the train, like, blows her kind of sideways and blows her yeah, yeah, yeah. You always got to get one of those in. I think that's a one. callback, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was fun. So that was our review of... Uh, oh Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot. Thank you, Jimmy. I'm not awake yet. <laughs> and coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt. And uh, Bob here in Los Angeles, uh, wishing everybody happy movie watching. And I do want to do another shout-out. Jimmy, th thank you for being with us today, and uh, have a great holiday, and and much success Thanks. because we sure like the movie that you let us watch. Oh yeah, thank you for Body watching Swap. and uh, checking it out. Go to bodyswapmovie.com to check out the trailer. <laughs>